Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Good to have you back with us here on the GM Shuffle. There's lots to look forward to, including the Detroit Lions. Mercy me. They finally win a football game. Oh, congratulations. The Chargers and the Bengals. Herbert does Herbert things. One of his best performances of the year. And also the Seahawks. Wow. They finally pull off a victory as well. And this year in the NFL, expect upsets, expect the unexpected. Let's kick it off first, though, with the Baltimore Ravens as they fall against the Pittsburgh Steelers. A huge AFC North showdown, Mike. And Lamar Jackson and Sammy Watson's a touchdown. 12 seconds to go, so the Ravens are within one. But rather than turn to the automatic Justin Tucker with the extra point, they go for two and win. Jackson misses an open Mark Andrews, and the Steelers hold on. So here's why in a vacuum I did not hate it, because I know everyone's going to second-guess it and kill them now. Hey, on the road, you go for the win, right? At home, you go for the tie. The offense had been non-existent much of the day. You finally have some momentum. Yes, Tucker is automatic, but if Lamar Jackson makes a slightly better pass, they're going to win that game. But tell me, right move, wrong move. You know, I think if you bet Pittsburgh and took the four and a half, you were absolutely delighted, right? You were just so happy because you were going to win. You won the bet, right? And you didn't care who got the two-point play. You won the bet. If you took Baltimore and laid the four and a half, you won it overtime to get the touchdown to cover by six. So you had that whole dynamic. And right, so you've got those people offering their opinions for, I love the call, hated the call. But I think, you know, in, in, in talking to people, you know, Baltimore lost Humphrey to the shoulder injury earlier in the game or on the fourth quarter. And then Tavion Young, their other corner, was sick and he was in and out of the game. And then, of course, Jimmy Smith hasn't been playing very good. So I, I think to me, I think what Harbaugh decided was, let me see if I can get this done in one play. I, I, I wouldn't have. I would have. Look, I got the greatest field goal kicker in the history of fo- football, right? Uh, he's automatic. All I need is one stop. Big Ben's not playing like he's playing tremendously, like he's the best player. So if I get that stop, I, you know, maybe I can win this game with a long field goal. I mean, I think you could go either way with this argument. I, I really do. I like. I'm not passionate about all, but I think you got to give your team a chance to win, and he did. He did. He gave him a chance to win. They just didn't execute it. You know, you can fault it, but if he makes a better throw, you know, it's a touchdown. So, look, the deeper issue here, everybody's going to focus on the two-point play. The deeper issue here is Baltimore's offense is broken. I mean, Baltimore's offense is bad. I mean, I, I don't care what anybody says. I mean, their offense, Lamar's not playing well. They can't really have a passing game. I mean, that's, to me, look at this. The last, since they came back from the bye, Okay, AD, they scored 10 against Miami. They scored 16 against Chicago, didn't have them in the game. They scored 16 against Cleveland, and they scored 19 yesterday. They're broke. You score any of those points with a D, you should win all those games. And that's why I think when you look at that team, especially in that last play, you knew it was going to Mark Andrews. I'm like, the whole world knew it was going to him. And as Romo even said in the broadcast, he makes a slightly better pass. Even Andrews can tip the ball back to him. But if you negate him, you know, what weapons do you have? And here's the larger issue. If you looked at the AFC a few weeks ago, Mike, I would have said, okay, the Ravens, to me, they're a tough team. Uh, They've won in the past. They've got a great coach. Obviously, superstar Lamar Jackson. They're probably the team I trust the most. Now, when you look at the AFC, because of Baltimore stumbles, this has changed everything. They're now third in the AFC playoff 
top pictures. This is huge implications first round by home field advantage. I mean, you and I both believe the Chiefs could be back. Obviously, they win again against Denver. But, I mean, the, the Pats-Bills is an enormous game tonight. In the NFC, I can make a convincing case to you right now for each of the Packers, the Cardinals, or the Buccaneers. But in the AFC, Baltimore's wobbles, to me, have really opened things up for everybody. And Baltimore could easily be 2-10 AD. You go through their schedule. You go through their games that they've won. You know, you know, they lose the opener. They could have won that. They, you know, they beat the Chiefs. They could have lost that. You know, they they lost to the Lions. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the 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 the, the uh, delay of the game penalty should have been called. That's a win, but that's a loss. They beat the Broncos, no problem. You know, the Colts are dominating them for the most of the game. They make a great comeback and win that game. They dominate the Chargers. They they get killed by the Bengals. They win another overtime game against the Vikings. Vikings missed a field goal, right? Miami kicks their ass. Chicago, they got to make a last-second drive down the field to win that game. Cleveland, they, they, you know, Cleveland was inept. I, I, I mean, look, this is I, I don't think they're a good team. I, I don't think they're a good team. They're 20th in the league in third-down offense. You know, they, they, they're not very good in the red zone. Their defense has been really carrying them, and I don't think they're talented on defense. They're the number one third-down team in football. They're the number one red zone defense in football. That's why they're winning. Those two numbers right there. You can be shitty in any other category. When you're good in those two categories, you can hold te- you hold teams out of the end zone. So I, I, we've said this on the shuffle for, for years. Until they fix this offense, until they recognize they don't have a passing game, until they get him under center more, this is going to continue. We're having the same discussion that we had after they lost playoff games. Lamar needs to be in, the, in a better system. It's not all RPOs. So are you confident enough to say now the Bengals are the best team in the AFC North? I mean, we've seen the challenges for the other teams, but since he's the best team. I think they are. Now, look, yesterday they lost the game to the Chargers, and we'll talk more about it. They had three of their five offensive linemen out of the game. You know, and they fought. I was impressed yesterday. They fought their way back in that game. But in terms of the most complete team, yeah, they are. They're good on defense. They're really good on offense when they have all their guys. I think they're a problem. I think they're a problem. I don't think, I think Baltimore now without Humphrey, I mean, what does Martindale do? Does he blitz every play? Does he not blitz? Does he try to play coverage? They play against any good quarterback. The quarterback's going to throw the ball on them. How are you going to win when you can't really throw the football or stop the forward pass, especially with corners? You need corners. If you don't have, I mean, we learned this at the Georgia-Alabama game, right? Georgia's great defensive front seven, but if you don't have great coverage people, it doesn't matter. You know, if you don't, if you can't really brush the passer, Georgia couldn't, the ball came out too quick. Alabama's took advantage of the secondary. That's what's going to happen to Baltimore. For Pittsburgh, apparently Ben Roethlisberger is telling people internally that he's done. That's not surprising. You've been saying all along, listen, this guy's finished. What do you expect out of Roethlisberger and the Steelers down the stretch? Can they make a push here towards the playoffs? Well, you know, we've been saying this on the shuffle. We didn't think he should come back. I mean, I don't know how this is news. If you listen to the shuffle, we've been talking about Ben not coming back for six months, right? You know, the fact that he got a contract, I know he took the pay cut. That was great. But we've been saying all along on the shuffle that old players look really bad in December. And he looked bad yesterday until he got into the fourth quarter. Until they got into the fourth quarter, he, did, he, he actually started to make a couple throws and he was effective. But look, everybody in Pittsburgh knows. I don't think this is a secret. Everybody knows it's, it's you know, what Ben did is take a billboard advertisement out and said, basically, I'm not coming back to Pittsburgh next year. They're going to cut me. If you want me, call my agent. And who's going to call? Who who's going to hire Ben to be their starting quarterback next year? Seems like a dicey proposition. I mean, yeah. I don't see anybody. <laughs> right? You know, I don't see anybody doing it. I mean, he has a hard time moving. You know, I mean, his arm is kind of not the same that it once was. And you know, look, I I love. He's going in the Hall of Fame, and he and he's going to be up on the Steelers Wall of Fame, and and he deserves all all the praise he can get with all respect. 
But it's at some point, everybody's career comes to an end. I mean, you know, the two guys that he was drafted with, Rivers and Manning, both are retired. Yeah, and that's what the comp I was thinking of was Rivers. Does a team say, okay, he's in his 40s, but we're one quarterback away from getting us over the top the way the Rivers was with the Colts? But no, I can't see that. I think people look at Ben Roethlisberger and say, at this point, there's too much tread on those tires. Uh, speaking of finally getting a victory, how about the Detroit Lions? Oh, my Woo-hoo. God. First Lions victory in almost a year, 364 days, as Kirk Cousins fighting Justin Jefferson, a go-ahead touchdown late in the fourth. The Vikings had the lead, but Jared Goff, methodically driving them down the field, fighting Amon Ross St. Brown, very last play. The walk-off win, Mike, 1-10-1. You've often talked about the Ford family, how nice they are. Well, how sweet this is. A disaster year for the Lions, and how embarrassing is this for the Vikings? You're the team that lost to Detroit. Should have lost them twice. Should have lost them twice. I mean, they, 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 they basically had, a, what, a 58-yard field goal to beat them? I mean, this was, I mean, I don't understand it. You're playing Jared Goff and you don't blitz him? You know, and, and here's the thing. In the situation where they were at the point of the game, you're playing zone. Like, I, I get it, right? I mean, it, there, was, there was four seconds left to go on the clock. Play man-to-man. Play man-to-man. And, and if you're going to get beat, tackle the guy and make a pass interference and run the play again. But when you give up zone and you spot drop, it's, it's a seven-on-seven seven game. And they're rushing three. Like you don't hit any of the receivers. I mean, they got nobody to blame but themselves, Minnesota. And, you know, this is a classic Minnesota game where they, you know, they play down to the level of comp. And for Minnesota, they've had so many close losses. Mike, we kept saying, well, are they a good team that just happens to have bad luck near the end? Or are they what they are, which is a team that can't finish? And now we have the answer. They're a five and seven football team that can't finish. They're not a good team. And they play another not good team on, on Thursday night. They play Pittsburgh. You know, and, and so that's the battle of basically that's the going to be the battle of who ends up eight, nine and who ends up nine and eight to me, the way I look at it. Those are two teams that are not playoff worthy, two teams that have substantial. I mean, Pittsburgh's defense, I mean, Baltimore turned the ball over. They were two for five in the red zone. I think they couldn't score in the red zone. You know, they Baltimore really is, you know, the other thing about Baltimore going back, their offensive lines, the shits. I mean, let's be real honest here. Their offensive lines, the shits. I mean, they can't block anybody. Pittsburgh was beating them up all game and everybody's, you know, takes the hit, hits on Lamar and, and certainly he needs to play better. But, you know, for me, Minnesota, you know, this that that could have been the end of Mike Zimmer right there. That could have been the end of Mike Zimmer. Well, think about it. they're gonna they're gonna miss the playoffs for a second straight year. So Kirk yeah. Cousins or Zimmer, someone's gonna have to walk the plank, right? Right. And 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 Kirk Cousins has tied up their cap, and you know, and they lost it with defense. I mean, they played passive. Like, how do you play passive in that state? Four seconds. You got the guy who's gonna throw the ball. I mean, look, nobody likes to throw the ball quicker than Jared Goff. Nobody wants it out of his hand. It's a hot potato, and you let the potato lay in his hand. Like, seriously, you don't heat up the potato? Like, that's your fault, right? You got to get after his ass, right? You got to mash this potato, okay? If you're going to win, you that's it. Yeah, you got, I mean, like, look, we know golf is, if golf has time to check the runners at first and third, he'll deliver the ball to the plate. Right. But if you make him speed this bitch up, four seconds to go, and you're over there letting him, oh, oh go ahead, counting the five Mississippi. I mean, come on. You know, football's not a complicated game, right? Right. When we played in the backyard, if we all counted the five Mississippi, everybody got open. If we counted a three Mississippi, nobody got open. Like in that situation, that's a three Mississippi situation. We're getting after his ass. You know, in the midfield, maybe we'll play a five Mississippi game. But to me, it's like, where's the logic? It's like trying to understand, like, are you watching the game? Like, didn't somebody in there say, look, here's Jared Goff. Here's the rep on Goff. We got to heat Goff up. Mike Zimmer's got more blitzes known to mankind. Playing soft. It's ridiculous. 
First victory in almost a year, 364 days. Congrats to the Lions, but really the Vikings are the story losing here. So those are the stories there. Let's talk about the game we mentioned earlier, Mike, which was Chargers and Bengals. So Justin Herbert, who we love here in the shuffle, Chargers win a key game, okay? They're up 24-0. But as you said, the Bengals did show some metal. They came back, scored 22 unanswered. But then the Chargers defense stepped up. How about these numbers? They held Joe Mixon, only 59 yards and 19 carries. You know how critical he is for Cincinnati. They sacked Burrow six times, picked him off twice, and returned a critical mix and fumble for a 39-yard touchdown. Burrow playing a majority of the day with dislocated finger on his throwing hand. Invisible pain. There's no question how tough he is. But for the Chargers in an inconsistent season, this was an awfully special win, wasn't it? Yeah, no doubt. And they start the game off. The, the Bengals start the game off fumble interception, you know, and they get behind 16 to nothing in the first quarter. And then they kind of work their way back in the game. They, in the second quarter, they get two touchdowns. They kind of get the feel for it. They get the field goal, the touchdown, and then the mix and fumble, which was strange. But, you know, this was the last stand game for the for the, the Chargers. I thought it was really, you could see, I, the first time I've ever seen a motion out of, out of Staley, the coach. He was really into it. They played good run defense, and they matched it. I mean, when they got, when they fall behind, you know, this was, oh, no, it's the old Chargers again. Shit's going to fall apart on us. And and they kind of hung in there really well. And so, for me, I, I think that was a great mark for them. And Herbert, even though he wasn't great on third down, I think the Chargers really miss a power back. I mean, I think Eckler's really good, but I think they miss somebody that can body punch you. I think they miss somebody to body, because Eckler can come in and be the dancer. He can be Muhammad Ali. They miss Joe Frazier. They need that one-two punch. You know, they need that. And I think it shows up. And look, you know, they did a great job in the fourth quarter. They were able to get control of the game. It's a great win for them. I, I, I would never want to play the Chargers, you know, in a playoff game because of Herbert's being able to throw. But I think the right team plays them. I don't think they're going to go very far. It's interesting. You mentioned the one-two punch. It makes you think of Brandon Jacobs, Tiki Barber, right? Thunder and yep. lightning. You always want to have that combination. And that's why it's important to have those kind of guys, especially in today's game. You don't see fullbacks nearly as much, but there's still a purpose to it. Because you're right. If you're just looking for a one small shifty back, you need to have a compliment to throw things off. Like I, when I watch football today, that to me is always the key. Depth, positions, having different options, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I've often said this quite a bit, but football is a lot like basketball. You need to have the ability to change the, the, the way the game goes. If you want to play big, if you want to play small, and then you've got to have that complement to your running back. You got to have a guy who's power, and then you got to have a quick guy so that the defense doesn't. Like receiving cores have to be like a basketball team. They have to have, you know, a point guard, a power forward, a small forward that so that the corners have to match up on different players. And I and I think that's the one thing I see in 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 the Chargers. They just they have the point guard in Eckler and he's a tough kid and he runs hard, but they don't have that power. They don't have that body puncher. And I think that's what they need. Bengals lose, but still could be the best team in the AFC North. The Chargers make their push for the playoffs. Now the Seattle Seahawks, speaking of last stands, I mean, we already know they're not going anywhere, but this could be the final stretch here for Russell Wilson or Pete Carroll as far as being in Seattle. Well, they beat San Francisco. I mean, this is just, I mean, again, there's there's always two elements to this. Seattle, nice women to me. How does San Francisco lose this game? Gerard Everett, excuse me, Gerald Everett fumbled at San Francisco two. Four minutes remaining. Seattle's on the cusp of putting the game away. Garoppolo of the Niners, 95 yards to Seattle three. The three-yard line, but they could not score from there. A late goal line stand 
from the Seattle Seahawks, and they win. Russell Wilson playing his best game since returning from finger surgery, 231 yards, two touchdowns. Seattle snapping a three-game losing streak, but the Niners had won three straight games. Now they lose. Mike, how do you not score on that play? That's that's it, It's inconceivable to me. You went 95 yards. It was like Baylor, Oklahoma. Oklahoma State drives it all the way down the field, get the ball inside the one. They can't score. They had seven tries, couldn't get it in the end zone. I mean, this game shouldn't even have been this close, A.D., I mean, Everett, I mean, Everett really is the goat of the goats. I mean, he should be really <laughs> thankful. He right. fumbled on the one yard line and he got an interception. He the ball, it's a touchdown. Jimmy Garoppolo hits him right. I mean, Wilson hits him right on the numbers and it and it bounces off his chest and they pick it off. There's there's they gave up three there. They gave up seven there. That 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 should have been 37. And then this one should have been it should, this should have been a 40 to 23 game. I mean, the 49er defense was really disappointed. Yeah, I know Garoppolo turned the ball over, made some really bad decisions, made one really bad decision in the game, but you know, he throws for almost 300 yards. They didn't run the football. And look, anytime they don't have Debo Samuel, it's always a problem for San Francisco's offense. He generates so many of those big plays. I think San Francisco and Minnesota are a lot alike. They're just not good enough. I think they're just not good enough. And they can't win these close games. I mean, Kyle has not been able to win up in Seattle. And give Seattle credit. I mean, they fought their asses off. You know, they fought back, fumbled the goddamn kickoff, you know, San Francisco. I mean, they took advantage of it. I mean, they did a great job. But look, the, the, the thing that killed them, this is not a close game. If you watch this game and you bet San Francisco, you were going to be lucky to be in there if they scored on the last play. Because Everett just basically, Everett took you out of the game. 49ers, listen, we know this. The NFC, especially spots six and seven, are pretty luggage. So I can't say this kind of a loss crushes San Francisco. It doesn't. They're still in the playoff hunt. But the fact that Kittle had a monster game and they didn't have Debo Samuel there, like we talked about offense earlier about some other teams, but how about San Francisco's offense? How erratic they are. And I mean, again, we talked about the fact they couldn't score there, but specifically missing Debo Samuel. How much does that hurt them? It really kills them. I mean, they just don't have the ability. You know, he can run with it. He's an explosive playmaker. Ayuk doesn't really give them the same thing. And then Travis Benjamin has to come up and he's in the game. And then he turned the ball over on the kickoff return. Losing Cannon hurt them too. That poor kid got hurt. They had to cart him off. Thank, thankfully, he's okay now. So they lost him. And, and I think that, you know, that that all those injuries start to be problematic. You know, it's funny. They tried to run read option AD. And they ran read option with Garoppolo. Like they they don't even have, I mean, there's been whispers, nothing. There's been nothing at all. We haven't heard the Trey Lance movement at all. There has, even from the Twitter universe. I mean, all the Twitter experts that think Trey Lance is the greatest quarterback since sliced bread. We haven't heard from them. I mean, they run they ran the read option with Garoppolo yesterday. If you why wouldn't they have a package for Lance? I think I know why. Nobody wants to hear it, but I think I know why. I think he's just not developed. I think he needs a year to be ready for next year. We'll talk more about Seattle and what they're going to do moving forward, uh, maybe like on a Thursday edition of the Shuffle, specifically with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. But one other thought, Adrian Peterson passing Jim Brown for 10th all-time the NFL touchdowns from a scrimmage. Great running back, all-time asshole. Like that story about him beating his kid years ago, I'm like, Adrian Peterson's a piece of shit. But hey, congratulations. You're still racking up those touchdowns. The fact he passed Jim Brown, the greatest running back of all time. I just shrugged my shoulders. I mean, the fact that people are signing them. I mean, like, <laughs> I, like, how are people still signing them? Like, I mean, this is truly, you know, as you know, you and I both know, remember when is the lowest form of conversation, <laughs> right? Right? Like, why are people signing him? Yeah. Like, why did some, why is Mike Glennon a backup quarterback in the National Football League? Like, how is that even possible? Possible. That's a good one. When you look at backup quarterbacks, sometimes I'm like, that guy's still in the league. I'm like, wow, oh, I had no idea. He's still hanging around. How is he made? How is he making money holding the clipboard, <laughs> making a million dollars a year, whatever it is? Like right. Mike Lennon, I, Andrew Siciliano on the Red Zone Channel 
posted uh, Mike Glennon's winning percentage after t- it's twenty two percent. Like, like it's like you know, it's like okay, you're the manager in baseball, right? And you got a reliever in the bullpen who, who you know gives up twelve runs, you know, twelve point ERA. You got to put him in the game, really? Are you got to put him in the game? I mean, garbage shot, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, oh, oh yeah, he's going to work his way up. Mike, it's not Mike Glennon's fault. He's twenty two. Like, I seriously, how do you do that? Like. And then poor Gardner Minshew, who you witnessed yesterday, you know, being at the game, which was great for you. I mean, Gardner Minshew's over there and he can't even get a job. Yeah. I mean, they got Gardner Minshew for flop picks. And the Giants are signing Mike Lennon like he's going to help their team. Like, you want to know why teams lose? You know, it's like sometimes you just, nothing, like I can remember, I told this to a coach this offseason, an offensive coordinator. I said, why don't you go get Gardner Minshew? He's not as good as Baker Mayfield, but he's close. It's yeah. similar. Like Minshew and Baker Mayfield, forget all the they're they're similar. Now I don't think I don't think Minshew can play over a 16 game stretch as well as Mayfield has played. He hasn't played that well this year. I think his body will get beat up like like uh, Mayfield. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like he's better than some of these cats that are playing. I mean, you know, we we you there was a game the other day when when Detroit put that put that kid in there from I mean, he was terrible. Like and and literally Jacksonville just gave him away. You could have had him. Like it's it's remarkable how people misevaluate the most important position in football. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, and and I'll tell you the team that does it better than anybody: the University of Georgia. Yeah, I mean you're the greatest football program in the history of football, right? You got tremendous athletes all over you. You should have the best quarterback, and you got a mailman. Uh, by the way, I, no, we'll, we'll detour there. I'm shocked that Alabama beat them. I, I was in Vegas, actually, doing a fight for DAZN. I'm with a guy named Todd Grisham, a good friend of mine from our ESPN days, huge Alabama guy. And he goes, we have no chance. I'm like, oh, you guys are going to oh, lose yeah. by two touchdowns. And they fucking no. they beat Georgia. I'm like, no. I, you, Mike, you should have seen the sports book. I'm at the MGM Grand. The sports book, heavy money on Georgia. And then Alabama comes and kills. I mean, if you listen to my show, uh, VEASAN on the Lombardi line on, on Saturday morning, we were all over it. Like, that was the easiest. Six and a half was the easiest play. In fact, but the, my producer on the show, Justin, he bet the money line. Wow. He bet the money line on Alabama. <laughs> Look, here's the reality of that game. Uh, the, uh, Nick Saban, you can't run a conventional offense against Nick Saban. He's got too many adjustments. He's got too many ways to stop it. And Stetson Bennett didn't lo- cost him the game. But what Stetson Bennett did, he didn't let him come back into the game. Like, they got to be able to run the football. And 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 Nick has problems against, like, the, the, the spread, the really athletic quarterback, the guy who could, the Lamar Jackson-type quarterback, right? He doesn't have trouble with the Stetson Bennett guy. He knows what he can do against that. And so, to me, and, and give Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone, two former NFL head coaches, they basically just built a passing game that they can neutralize the rush of Georgia. And those skill players took over. I mean, it was really just a good job of, of matchup, understanding the matchups, which is what the NFL is all about. I'm hoping. We'll see how the seeding goes down. But I really want to see Alabama and Michigan in the national championship. Saban versus Harbaugh. How much fun would that be? Wolverines tied. Well, I mean, Michigan's going to have to beat Georgia. Right. Michigan's going to have to beat Georgia. That's going to be hard. I think Michigan's like a, almost a 10-point dog to Georgia. Yeah. I mean, Michigan's a good team. Mich- I, thought, I thought Michigan would – I would like to see Michigan one. Alabama two, Georgia three, and Cincinnati. I would like to see Minnesota, Michigan play, and then Michigan play the Southeast Conference, right? right. So now what we're going to get is probably a Southeast Conference rematch, assuming that Michigan can't beat them. Yeah, which is not great. Uh, all right, back to the NFL. Washington beats the Raiders 17-15. to 15. Two teams going in 
opposite directions. I mean, we, we gave love to Washington last week. We are not going to, uh, you know, negate how good this team is right now. They've won four straight games. Again, I mentioned the six and seven spots at NFC are up for grabs. So Washington could certainly be a team that can push for the playoffs. The Raiders have lost four of five. Uh, Heineke throws for two touchdowns, 48 or a field goal from the new kicker, Brian Johnson, 37 seconds left. And how about Jack Del Rio, Washington's D corner, winning his first game against the Raiders after being fired by them following the 2017 season. Washington now officially in the playoff hunt. Who would have thought that a month ago? Yeah, I mean, and and the Raiders' two-minute drive at the end of the game could go down in the annals of the worst two-minute drive I've ever seen in my life. But let's <laughs> let's let let's not let's not let's not uh, get distracted here. So when Washington had the ball, it was fourth and inches, right? It was fourth and inches, and there was four, there was forty. Uh, let's see, there were forty-two seconds left to go in the game, and it was really fourth and inches. I actually thought get I thought the kid got the first down. Because he landed, Samuel landed on the body, and and it was just short. And when they sent that kicker out, I'm like, there's no way this guy's going to make this kick. Like, it was a new kicker, and Washington has had struggles with kickers all year. I mean, talk about struggles with kickers. How about your boy, Salai? He he fires his kicker on Saturday night and picks a worse kicker. I mean, the worst thing you want to do is get worse. Anyway, we'll come back to that. We will. You know, uh, anyway, so... Like I would, I think I would have gone for it there. Like a forty-eight yarder to me, I would have had. I would have rather gone fourth and inches than go for a forty-eight yarder. But Rivera just with blood in his veins. I mean, he just cold. He just went out there and then and then the Raiders are checking the ball down. Like first downs matter. Like like at some point it doesn't really matter. Like you got to get yards. You got to throw it up the field. They had a timeout. You got to throw it up the field and 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 cars throwing checkdowns on the sideline. Like seriously, like you can't, you know, the Raiders are just, you know, look, they, you, Gruden was really good at offensive football. I'll never deny that. And they miss them. I mean, let's face it. They miss them and, and their defense isn't good enough to carry them. Ugly loss there for the Raiders. Washington's hanging in as Heineke's bringing a spark. Coming up next here on the GM Shuffle, the Arizona Cardinals take care of the Chicago Bears. Plus, I was there on the Meadowlands. My first-hand impressions, the Eagles and Jets. That's next. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. 
All right, Cardinals and Bears, as expected, Mike, Arizona wins. But And obviously Chicago isn't very good. But what we want to talk about here is Arizona and just how good they're on the road. Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins had missed the last three games. Both those guys come back, early 20-yard score. Beep, beep was unstoppable. 136.9 pass rating, four total touchdowns, two in the air, two on the ground, and their defense dominated. I know it's the Bears, but Andy Dalton, three sacks, four interceptions. Arizona is now 7-0 on the road and 10-2 overall. When you start to assess who is the best team in the NFC, to me, a team that can win on the road is important. Now you say, well, if they're number one seed, who cares? They'll be at home. But my point is, if you've got road toughness, Mike, that speaks a lot to me. Arizona, that's a warm weather team winning on the road in Chicago. Well done. I think Cliff Kingsbury should be coached the year. I really do. I mean, you know, everybody kind of keeps thinking that they're soft and they're not. I mean, I liked them yesterday in the in, in the betting market only because I thought that their execution at opening games is really good. I mean, you know, when when I went back and studied opening weekend of the season last this year, the one team that jumped out to me that was really good at execution were the Cardinals. I mean, yesterday the Cardinals run the ball 35 times against the Bears, and Murray only has to throw for 123 yards. I mean, they literally just dominate the game. They dominate the game. And, you know, they got Andy Dalton throwing the ball 41 times. You want that? 2020, you know, turning the ball over when he gets down to the red zone. I, I mean, look, the Cardinals have won in Seattle. They've won in San Francisco. They won in Los Angeles. You know, now they win in Chicago. I mean, they're a hard team to play. And they weren't even 100% healthy. They weren't even 100% healthy. So, I, I mean, Kingsbury's done a great job. They got a big game this week. But uh, for me, I think... Uh, I think it was impressive. And then the Bears, what are we going with Chicago? I mean, you know, we've been down this road before. You know, we're not playing Justin Fields. Our offensive line is a disaster. We can't ever get control of the game. We call plays. And and what we thought was good at one time was our defense. And that's not quite as good anymore. You know, when you watch the Bears play, when I have watched the Bears play since then, to me, the Bears call plays, they never manage a game. They never play three-dimensional to manage the game. And I think this is the issue when you hire an offensive coordinator to become your head coach. They don't understand how to do that. Bears have lost six of the last seven games, the lone win against Detroit. Obviously, Dalton was just there as a Band-Aid to try to get uh, their next quarterback ready. As far as Nagy's concerned, I mean, he's dead man walking, right? This team's awful. I mean, the question is, is is Pace dead man walking? I mean, what are they going to do? You know, they love collaboration, which means everybody's involved. So... I have no idea. I mean, I would think they're going to have to do, who's making the decision? Who's advising them? I mean, we're seeing all these jobs open up in college football. Who's helping the coach? Who is helping the coach? I mean, poor Notre Dame. Notre Dame hires Marcus Freeman. God bless him. 35 years old. Never been a head coach. Has really had no, no, has learned from really no successful head coaches. It isn't like he has a bloodline into a great coach. He was at Purdue. Then he went to Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. I'm sure he learned stuff from Luke. But he's got no real reliable experience to hang on to, right? Nothing. And then Notre Dame just hires him. I mean, with Notre Dame was smart. They hired David, say you're hiring David Cutcliffe as the offensive assistant, and he's going to help you learn how to be a head coach. These people just think you could just become a head coach. Like you could just become a general. Like seriously, like it just doesn't just happen, you know? And so that's what happened in Chicago. And I'm told Chicago's going to open. I don't know what's going to happen with the dynamics of the front office. I wouldn't be surprised if Chicago opens up after the Green Bay loss this weekend. They're going to Green Bay uh, because then then it gives them time. I think the rules are now, AD, you can interview coaches in the last two weeks of the season if you have an opening. Well, that could change things because you're right. Right now for Chicago, the brain trust clearly has not been the answer. 
And now we get to the Meadowlands. No miracle in the Meadowlands, but it was Minshew Mania. Uh, I got to mention Kathy Leah Grand, who is a very generous spirit. Her daughter, Allie, one of my favorite people I worked with at ESPN on Baseball Tonight. She says, Kathy, listen, you ever want to go to a Jets game? I got season tickets. I literally can't give them away. Like, nobody wants to go to the Jets game. People want the parking pass more than they want the actual tickets. I said, okay, I checked the schedule. <laughs> that, that, that's a progressive commercial right there. I mean, parking. <laughs> it's all parking. The parking is all they care about. I said, okay, let me wait till baseball's over. Check the schedule. Hey, December 6th, they're playing the Eagles. He goes, yeah, cool. So I'm going to take my eldest son, Yusuf, but he got in trouble at school. English teacher called me Friday. He goes, hey, he's been misbehaving in school. I go, all right, well, buddy, you can't go to the game. He's like, what? Okay, you messed up. What are you going to do? English teacher's calling. Next man up. My son, Adin, who is not a sports fan, 10 years old. Hey, you're coming to the game with me. Like, do I have to? I'm like, buddy, I'll get you pizza, Pepsi. We're going to have a blast. Okay. We get to the game at one o'clock. First and foremost, how do we not have an easy pass line at a game? You get there at one o'clock, Mike. First of all, it's all Eagles fans. Everyone's yeah. fucking tailgating still. And it takes you a half an hour just to get in the stadium. We've got to have an easy pass line. I would have paid 50 bucks just to just to skip the line. I mean, like I'm hearing the roar of the crowd here. Like, how have you not invented this yet? In, in, in driving with an easy pass. When you go to a game, easy pass line. Cost me 30 minutes. You know why the Jets lose? You just gave the dissertation. Because the details, they can't. I mean, when, if that's a problem in the game, it, they got to have other problems somewhere else, right? Like, this just isn't a singular problem, right? There's no attention to detail. I mean, there's no attention to detail. And, and you know, and, and you, now you're surprised they picked, you know, Salai to be the head coach. <laughs> so I go in there. All the Jets fans are bitching. Like, the, the best part of going to the game was just hearing all the complaints around us. What, like, were they bitching, what were they bitching about the most? Everyone was talking about the kicker. They go, how, how shitty is this kicker? Like, how, do we uh, how embarrassing is that, right? Like, seriously, we are going to fire this kicker, okay? <laughs> and then we're going to bring in somebody who basically now we can't ever kick again. He's embarrassed. He's missed two X. I, poor kid. I feel bad for the kid. It's not his fault. It's Salai's fault. It's Joe Douglas's fault. Like, seriously, how do you do that? Like, I, like the question is, does this guy make us better? And we're going to bring a guy who's never kicked before in an NFL game, in a game that means in December. <laughs> like, like where, where, where is, I mean, you know, Mark Twain said common sense isn't often common. I mean, at the Jets, it's not even close to being common. No. Oh. Like, the, and, and this is the amazing thing is Robert Sly's running a billion dollar corporation. So, I mean, and these are the decisions you're making. They can't get you an easy pass. They can't get you in your seat in time <laughs> and they can't pick a fucking kicker. Like so what more do they need to show you that they're not competent to do what they do? My son made this observation. He's looking around the jerseys, right? And the Eagles, you see like literally in front of us, I started laughing at Connor Barwin jersey, which you don't get to see a whole lot of, but oh, you those see- are, Those are collector <laughs> items. <laughs> but I see a Fletcher Cox. I see a Jalen Hurts. You see Wentz. You see McNabb. I mean, this is what Eagles jerseys. When we looked around the Jets, jerseys, all we saw was like Wayne Corbett jerseys and Zach Wilson. Like, there's nobody you can hang your hat on. Zach Wilson, they thought would be great. He sucks. And Wayne Corbett. That's what your franchise has been reduced to. I mean, they have, they don't understand anything about tradition. They don't anything, they don't understand about culture. They they are a corporate environment, you know, and it starts with their owner and you wonder why. Yeah, it's like my, my line for Jet fans. And when they wake up on Sunday morning, that's the best they're going to feel all day. I mean, that's, that, that's Dean's line about people that don't drink. I just took it and put it to Jets in it. You know, it's the truth. I feel bad for him. And it's not their fault. I mean, the, the problem with them is that the owner, he just doesn't get it. He doesn't understand it. You know, he, he doesn't understand what culture means. He doesn't understand how to build a culture. He has no idea about corporate mentality. It, you know, doesn't aff affects the team, picks the wrong people. It's, it's not surprising they pick the wrong people. It's why would it, why would you not be surprised? I mean, there's no instincts in the building.
As far as Minshew Mania, he looked great. I tell you what, man, this yeah. guy looked like Joe Montana out there. I'm like, man, Carter Minshew, I, clearly, I can't wait to go watch him play some more. 80% completion percentage, two touchdowns, 242 yards passing, no picks, 133.7 passer rating. And Miles Sanders was great, 120 yards on 24 carries. Hey, man, Jalen Hurts out, Minshew in. When asked if Jalen Hurts would be the starting quarterback when healthy, Nick Sirianni said, yeah, of course, he's played really good football. Nick, I'm telling you right now, babe, go with Minshew. He's the man. Yeah. Oh, that, you know, they're going to put it. They, they already have a statue up in Philly for a backup quarterback in Nick Foles. They're going to put another one up for Gardner Minshew. He's going to get a statue before too long. Look, I think give Howie Roseman, he takes a lot of shit. Give him credit, right? Great trade. Get this guy. No, but why is nobody else? Why did nobody else want this guy? Like, why wouldn't you take this guy? Like, he's tough. He's a great leader. People gravitate towards him. He's not the most talented player, but neither is Baker Mayfield. I mean, neither is Baker Mayfield. But, I mean, to me, it made no sense that that he was out there for basically a swan song. You could have him. Like, who's got, like, is Mike Glennon better than Gardner Minshew? <laughs> like, if you're Joe Judge this morning, like, why the fuck did you take him? Like, why did we not get, I mean, I got Mike Judge. Like, who wanted Mike Glennon? I want to know. I want to do it all. T- I'm like, what tape did somebody watch on Mike Glennon and said, that's it. He's the perfect guy. Like, I want to know that. Like, I want to know, like, what tape did we watch and say, oh, that's the guy. Got to have him. Get him in here right now. Get him on the phone. I don't mean to pick on Mike Lennon, but Mike Lennon's had more chances than ever. I mean, he played good against Cleveland last year in Jacksonville, but he still threw an interception late in the game that cost him. But I mean, it's just not that. I mean, Mike Lennon's a nice kid, I'm sure. But like, why does he keep getting chances and Gardner Minshew's got to beg for a gig? I I don't understand it. I, I really don't. It just shows, we wrote about this for the Daily Coach today. It shows how much bias is in quarterbacks. You know, it shows how people just can't evaluate the position. I mean, here's Mac Jones. That pitcher killed him. The pitcher killed him. It was, it was, you know, and so, and and people don't realize it. Eagles now only have to go to a playoff spot. And as we've discussed before, they're not getting on a plane. As you said before, they had the Sinatra, New York, New York. They lost to the Giants. Now they face the Jets. I mean, they, they're going to push towards a playoff spot. That's how lousy the NFC is when it gets to the six and seven seed right now. Yeah, it's really bad. I mean, look, they're just sitting right there. They're, they're a game ahead of Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota's five and seven. If Minnesota can win this week, they get the, the tie on for six and seven. And, and San Francisco is really sitting right in there. They got the huge game against Cincinnati. So they got it right in it right now. And Cincinnati has dropped down to the seventh seed. I mean, Cincinnati's the seventh seed. Indianapolis is looking on the outside right now at seven and six. What, what does need to happen, though, now that I was there at the game and I was posting stuff on Instagram, we need to get you and me at a game together. Cadence has to get the GM shuffle live on the scene, you and me in the middle. We, we should do one of those. Mad, I, people are like asking me, we should do like a, a, like a GM cast during the game, like be in some, like, and, and, and talk about the game. Because, like, all the, you know, because here's what happens during the game all the announcers, they, they listen to the, co- the coaches. And so you're just, oh, Greg Roman's the great offensive coordinator. And oh, my God, this guy's the greatest coach of all time and you know the or somebody wants some objectivity i mean like seriously that that pat Shermer called a run on fourth and two right into a stack front like seriously that's a good call like how does somebody not go berserk on that call like are you kidding me every bronco fan went berserk on that call but yet nobody on tv did when i went to the u.s open you can go to the because you get a headset you can listen to fowler and mackerel while you're watching the tennis oh it's pretty cool but i thought of you while i was watching the game i'm like i don't really miss the announcers right now like i'm just enjoying the eagles and jets i'm enjoying all the rage around i muted me. it i had a, yeah. a millie's up we had a, we had our little granddaughter sienna 
Lynn was born on Friday, which oh, congrats, was man. awesome. Thank you. And so Millie's been up there taking care of everything. So I've had, I had yesterday, there wasn't a volume. I, I didn't hear one <laughs> word Scott Hansen uttered yesterday. I didn't hear a goddamn thing he said. And it was really enjoyable. It made my day. Like I was, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I am completely deaf in one ear and I have 75% hearing in the other ear. And I enjoyed being deaf yesterday. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I didn't, I didn't, I mean, only, only person I had to answer to was Bella and that was a problem, but I got that handled. And so, you know, all I had to do was react to her and I'd have to listen to Scott Hansen. I'd have to listen to anybody. And then the night game, I didn't have to listen to Chris telling me about this guy's a great coach and this, you know, cause I go crazy. Like the, like, like the other day I was watching the Georgia game and Gary Daniels is talking about blitzes and they, when they rush four, it's not a blitz. Like, <laughs> like seriously. <laughs> and I just get fed up and then I hit mute. When they rush four, it's not a blitz. That's great. Uh, let's get to the mailbag. Send us your mailbag questions at gmshuffle at gmail.com. Feel free to send us a message on Instagram at the GM Shuffle. We got one here from Phil, but first I got to mention my buddy, Dan Goldfarb, who's an avid listener of the GM Shuffle. And he is a huge Giants fan. He texted me the other day. I go, I'll ask Mike on the air. I could text him, but I'll ask him on the air just for you. He's, He's a big Giants fan. He goes, any chance the Giants can get Russell Wilson? We all know Daniel Jones stinks. Ask Lombardi, can the Giants get a package to get Russell Wilson? You see, the line he said there is the most critical line of all. We all know Daniel Jones stinks. The <laughs> we in that line is the most critical. The we. Giant fans are the we. The Mara family are not the we. Okay? So that little word, we, who's, in the, you know, who's with you there? Like, you may all think it, but do you think the Maras think that? No, I don't think they do. I think they have great hope for it, you know? And so, and then, you know, ask yourself this, who's evaluating quarterbacks in that building? Mike Lennon's over there. So like, who's (laughs) picking them? I mean, like, who's picking them? This will forever be known as the Mike Glennon podcast. I love the fact he said three minutes. I mean, it was just brutal. I, I, I couldn't watch the game. Like the line, the line on the, it opened up at three, it went to four. And then when Mike Lennon got announced, it went right to six. I mean, they would have been better off running the wishbone. They had no chance to win the game. I mean, you know, I feel bad for Joe, but I mean, it's just it, like this week they're going to go play the Rams. Backup quarterback. I went to I was with Jesse Palmer and Tim Hasselbeck was there like, hey, buddy, you don't understand. Backup quarterback's the way to go. Just hang that clipboard. You're making the minimum. You ride that out for a few more years. You get the pension. It's the way to go. This is from Phil. Great show, guys. Look forward to every week to the release of the episodes. I heard someone on another show talk about the Patriots' use of constraint plays. I don't think I've ever heard the term before. Can you explain what that means and how McDaniels utilizes it? Constraint plays. I don't know. I never heard that term around it. I think to me, it's it's a little bit about what they must do to win the game. So, for example, they're playing Buffalo tonight, right? And they're going to make sure that certain elements of the defense don't beat them, whether it's Star Latoui inside when they double-team them, whether it's Jerry Hughes coming off the corner, whether they're in nickel or front. And so there is a package of plays that they know they can run. I think this is really important for coaches. Like, when, when they come off the field on, on, on practice – how many times did they run a play? And then on Sunday, are we going to run that play in the game? Right? So that's really important. You know, like if, say you practice, okay, let's take that two-point play with Baltimore. How many times did Baltimore practice that play before they actually ran it? Did they walk through it? Did they run it? You know, like when we played Baltimore in a playoff game, we ran the double pass. We had practiced that pretty much every week until we actually ran it. So like, how many times do you run it? And, and that's most important. When you run plays you have in practice and then you blame the players for the execution, 
That's on you, the coach. That's not on them. And I think that's a little bit about what he means by constraint plays. All right, let's get to the awards here on the lamb. Who are you putting on the lamb after this week here of football? I mean, can I put Robert Salai and Joe Douglas on the lamb for the <laughs> yeah. decision of the kicker? I mean, Jesus Christ, this is professional fucking football we're talking about here. Like, seriously. Like, how do we pick that kicker? Like, how do we do that? You know, the game we didn't really hit on, and I think, you know, not that I want to put Vic Fangio on the, on the lamb, but th- I think the Bronco Chief game was a really important game for understanding the game, right? Vic was managing that game as if the Chiefs were the old offense, right? He was managing that game like field goals really don't matter. We better score. That game was never getting in the 20s. That game was never getting in the 30s. That was going to be a defensive game. You could see it from the beginning. Mahomes, you know, for all the talk about how great Mahomes is and his angles of throws, I say this all the time. If you have Mahomes in fantasy, you know he's not good enough. You're disappointed. You're pissed off, right? So... So that's a real issue. And so what, what Vic was doing during the game was, you know, fourth and two, he doesn't kick the field goal. And he comes off the field and he tells Catherine Tamman, I mean, how many people cover the game for NBC? Could they get any more people there? I mean, they <laughs> got Catherine Tamman, Maria Taylor, we got Jack they got Collins. 75, they got 75 people at the game. Like, is anybody watching for that? I mean, like, seriously. Anyway, let's, uh, you know, like, seriously, like, I, and, and says that, well, you know, field goals aren't going to matter in this game. Yeah, Vic, field goals are going to matter. I mean, the game ends up 22 to nine, but if you would have taken a couple of those points along the way, you're going to win the game. I mean, Mike Zimmer keeps turning down points. He ends up losing the game, you know? And so I think, I think to me, part of a job of a head coach is to figure out in the first quarter where this game is going to go. Like, where is it? And how do I play it so that I'm there at the end? If it's going to be the fast pace, we got to change. If it's not, we have to do that. And I think that Vic, looking at that, really made a huge mistake. And I, and I think that cost him. I think if he kicks field goals and settles for it, I think it's a better situation. More proof that Kansas City's defense is back. Three turnovers, three fourth down stops, one pick six to seal a fifth straight win. Mahomes had just 184 yards passing. Receiving core dropped a lot of passes, but ultimately they pull off the victory. That's good news for Kansas City. Fred Palermo Award, the best game plan of the week you're giving to? I, you know, I, th- I think you got to give it to Seattle. Fake punt. They, their offense kind of came back to life. They scored 30 points on San Francisco, who I think has a good defense. The fake punt was fun to watch. I think they did a really nice job. And look, let's face it. Let's give a little love to the Lions. They hung in there. They scored 29 points with, with, with the situation. You know, I mean, give them credit. I think the one thing is, is he's captivated the attention of the players. They keep playing hard. They're just not good enough, but they play hard. So I would go in that direction. A couple of routes we did not mention, by the way. Rams embarrassed the Jaguars 37-7 and the Colts 31-0. When you can pitch a shutout against the Texans, that's just awful. Yeah, I, I don't know where the Texans are going. Like, I, I don't understand. I, I can't see the plan. I can't, like, I, I can't see where we're, what we're building to. We're getting worse as the year goes on. That's not a good sign if you're the GM. You want to improve. You want to be able to fundamentally improve. This offensive line has really gotten worse, not better. You know, Tyrod Taylor has gotten worse, not better. And so to me, I would be concerned. I mean, the Texans, look, I know they're not any good, and I know they're in a rebuilding mode. But to me, there's got to be a plan moving forward, management of attention. What are we ultimately trying to accomplish? And it's the same thing with Jacksonville. If you own the Jacksonville Jaguars, you've got to feel like, okay, I just drafted this kind of generational talent at quarterback, and, and he's not getting any better. Like, he's not showing improvement. Like, what is wrong? Like, what's the problem? 
and you hired a head coach who's, you know, was very successful in college football, but let's be real clear, college football and the NFL are two different things. And and who's going to help this kid? Who's going to make this kid better? And are you sure you hired the right guy in, in Urban? I mean, I don't see it. I mean, they've, they've come out to the West Coast twice now. They scored 10 points. They've given up 30 both times they've come out. Now, I admit they're not good, but to me, I, I don't see any I don't see any improvement. I mean, you beat Buffalo 9-6. It was more of a fluke than it was improvement. So that, that, to me, is really the real issue. And lastly, if you don't know, now you know. The Cardinals are for real. You can, you know, 10 and 2, they're for real. The quit, quit laughing about them. You know, quit waiting for them to stub their toe. Quit picking on Kirk, Cliff Kingsbury for, you know, what he did at Texas Tech. Give the guys some love. The guy's a really good coach. Vance Joseph should be assistant coach of the year. I think he's done a marvelous job. He's really held it together. Their defense is playing really well. I thought they would be an older team and decline late in the year. They haven't. And Murray found a way, Murray's found a way to win without being, without being everything. You just kind of manage the game and play smart. Important to do. As now we get to the Pop Culture Minute, I wanted to mention a new film. It's opening in theaters this week, and it's going to be on Amazon Prime a few weeks after that. It's called Being the Ricardos, a new Aaron Sorkin film with Nicole Kidman playing Lucille Ball and Javier Bardem as Desi Arnaz. If you're an I Love Lucy fan, you're going to love this movie. I wish they'd shown more clips of them actually in the show, Mike, but they took one week, Sorkin fictionalizes, one week what it's like on the set of I Love Lucy, and it shows the marriage of Desi and Lucy, what Lucille Ball meant as a comedian, the challenges she faced, like a workplace kind of drama. But I thought it was amazing because as we often see, these comedians and performers are under a lot of stress. They're a lot more serious than you think, but a lot smarter than you think as well. So uh, Nicole Kidman very eerily looks like uh, Lucille Ball. Obviously, Javier Bardem is Desiree's Aaron Sorkin new film. You'll see it in theaters this week. It's coming out, like I said, Amazon Prime in a few weeks, but they sent me a screener. So being the Ricardos, look out for it. I, I, I would love to watch that. There, were, there was a show on Amazon uh, basically, Desi, uh, I mean, uh, the daughter, Lucy. Yes. Arnez, she she basically had all these home movies of her parents, you know, and that kind of was like just talking about her parents and, the, and all the things that they had to go through. Do, is, do, we, get Fred, do we get Fred in this? You in do, the, yeah. J.K. JK Simmons is playing Fred, who's fantastic. You get him on the air, off the air. They, you know said he was a, they said he was a cantankerous son of a bitch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Typically like a cranky guy there and said, one of the great stats you could ever point to somebody, the appeal of it, Game of Thrones, I believe the finale had like 15 million people, right? Gigantic. Everyone's watching it. I Love Lucy used to get 60 million people per episode. That's gigantic, okay? That's Oh, my I mean, God. The Super Bowl gets 90 to 95. I Love Lucy's getting 60 every week. A week. Gigantic. A week. I yeah. mean, how much money did they have? They had to make a fortune off that, right? Oh, I can imagine. Back in that day, I'm sure there was an agent representation. Lucille Ball should have been getting a fortune. I'm sure she did well, but not the way she could have. But that's pretty cool. How about for you? I know you're busy. Sienna just arrived. No, so you're probably not watching a lot. No, that's been great. But I'm reading. I'm reading uh, Jim Miller's new book, Tinderbox. Tinderbox. Here we go. Tinderbox. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, it, I'm. Uh, uh, but I walk the dogs and do all that. I'm. I'm reading that, which is fascinating. It starts off really. I'm, I'm early, in the early part of it of the history of how HBO got started, which is fascinating, and the history of Cablevision, how it got started with James Dolan and and all that. Really, really fascinating. But I, I, I can't wait to watch the Ricardos. I, it, it will be on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime in a few weeks. I'll get the exact date for you. It might be January third, but I'll double. And check how did you watch that. it on DVD? 
Uh, no, they sent me the screener via link because there's going to be a press conference where they're going to have Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem. So they go, well, if you want to participate in the press conference, you're going to watch the movie. I said, sure, send me the link. I'll watch it on my computer. It's great. You, right in your X chair, I bet. You <laughs> sat there in the X chair and watched it. You're damn right you did. You see that? This is the value of the X chair. <laughs> you can watch brand new movies in your X chair. You can't do much better than that. Thanks to my man, Michael Lombardi, and congrats on Sienna's arrival. She's going to be spoiled beyond all belief in the Lombardi clan. We'll talk to you next time here on the GM Shuffle.